Join Dick Tracy in just a minute and ten seconds. But first, did you ever think you'd like to write a song? <laughs> of course, some of our songs sound as though they've been written without any effort at all, don't they? Believe me, that's far from true. Take, for instance, George Gershwin, who wrote many of our best. Like most men who have made a success of their lives, he had his years of struggle for recognition. But Gershwin was born of a poor family on New York's east side. You know, it's rather funny the way he got started in music. When he was a small boy, he had looked forward to being a painter... But his mother learned one day that her sister-in-law had bought a piano. And, of course, not to be outdone, she went out and bought a second-hand upright herself, paying for it on the installment plan. With the piano in the house, George found that he couldn't stay away from it. He learned to play. Quite a number of years, he played piano for a living, earning practically nothing until Al Jolson took over and popularized George Gershwin's song, Swanee. His music was good, it's true. But George Gershwin had to know what he wanted. And he had to stay with it through the rough times to win out. There's a good lesson there for all of us. And now, Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy and Pat Patton have been assigned to break up a most vicious crime. Someone has been derailing and wrecking trains carrying relief supplies to starving countries abroad. The man responsible for this is Benton Malice, an embittered ex-congressman with an abiding hatred for everything in the world... Uh, he, he does not understand or believe in. Well, fortunately, his latest attempt at wreck has failed. Due to Dick Tracy's warning, the engineer slowed his train in time to prevent serious damage. And so now we find the infuriated Benton Malice waiting for his butler, Worms are Crawley. You rang, sir? Yes, I rang. Confounded Crawley, what went wrong? Wrong, sir? You know what I mean about the wreck. Nothing, sir. The two trains met head on. Of course they did. That part of it I planned. But practically no damage resulted. Why? Oh, I'm sure I don't know, sir. Well, you should know. There must have been somebody that tipped off in some way. The relief train slowed down to a crawl just before the wreck. Oh, maybe it saw the oncoming train. It's impossible. It was approaching around a blind curve. Well, then it's possible, sir, that they figured out a way to detect the presence of trouble. Crowley, are you trying to suggest that any of those swine are smarter than I am? Uh, no, sir. If they're on the other side of the political fence from me, they must be stupid. Yes, sir. The mere fact that they're trying to feed impoverished countries shows that they lack intelligence? Yes, sir. Uh, there must be some other reason for last night's failure. Uh, I did everything you said. The switch worked and the signals fell exactly as planned. Something must have gone wrong. Something. Did you hear if anyone was hurt in the crash? The fireman of the relief train was scalded from the steam. But I understand that he's going to be all right, sir. Ah, that's the only thing that bothers me about this whole thing. Injuring good Americans. What's his name, Crowley? Skladany, sir. Oh, oh, a recent American. That's all right. I'd hate to injure a real American. Yes, sir. Come out on the parapet, Crowley. Look down at the valley. I want you to see the exact spot where the wreck took place. Yes, sir. Maybe you can figure out what went wrong. After all, you had the advantage of seeing the wreck up close. If you also see it from a distance, you can get a perspective that I couldn't possibly have. Yes. Right down there, Glass. Right at the bend of the river. I know, sir. And I was right about there. 
about a quarter mile up the valley. That's where the relays for the switches and the signal blocks are, sir. And did you personally see the signals change? Are you sure that they had the all clear? I saw it with my own eyes, sir. I can't understand it. I can't understand it. You can see for yourself that it's a completely blind corner. No one could see a train coming and until it'd be too late. I know, sir. All right, come inside again while I work it out on the model railroad. Maybe that way I can get an inkling of what went wrong. Now, this is the relief train. I've constructed the tracks to exactly duplicate the curve of Smoky Bluffs. Yes, sir. Here's the main line switch. Here's the block signal. Coming up this way is the string of empties. Everything's quite complete, sir. All right, now you operate the relief train. I'll handle the string of empties headed north. I'll do that, sir. As soon as your train has a clear view around the band, stop it as quickly as you can. I understand, sir. All right, then let's go. All right, now I'll turn on the induction coil that upsets the switch and the signal light. It worked perfectly, sir. The switch opened and the signal shows all clear. Your train is going through the switch now. Remember, try and stop it when you first see it come around the corner. Yes, sir. That would be right now. You see, the crash was inevitable. Without some sort of a tip-off, it couldn't have been avoided. Well, I'm going to try to find out the reason for it. Or die trying. Well, we didn't get any more dope today on why the trains crashed than we did last night. Might as well have stayed in town. Well, Pat, at least we had a nice ride in the country. Yeah. And we found out a few more things about trains from our friend Johnson Barr. Yeah, he's a real old railroad man, that one. Mm-hmm. I suppose he's going ahead with his plans to ask Benton Malice to head his investigating committee? Yes, I know he is. In fact, when he left just a few minutes ago, he said that he was on his way to Malice House to have a talk with the Honorable Mr. Malice. How do you figure that, Bird Richard? You think he's mixed up in this train raking business? It doesn't really seem possible, and yet with a fellow like he is, you never can be sure. Hey, he's a queer one, all right. Doesn't seem to like anything. Oh, yes, he does. He likes Benton Malice, and everything Benton Malice stands for. In fact, uh, he'll fight for his ideal to the last drop of our blood. I see what you mean. And I've studied the speeches he made while he was in Congress, and they're all bad. He opposed Lend-Lease. He opposed all foreign aid. He made an impassioned speech against organizing the United Nations. Well, he wanted to drop atomic bombs on every country that wouldn't immediately roll over and do everything exactly the way he wanted it done. Huh. In fact, he's a first-rate menace to the peace of the world. Well, you'd think that the citizens of Northern Valley would lock him up as a madman. Trouble is, Pat, that that kind of demigod can always hide behind a cloak of patriotism, 100% Americanism or some such name. Not popular to denounce that type. I don't see why not. Well, Pat, people are so busy supporting worthy causes like racial tolerance... And you couldn't find a worthier cause. But they don't realize that Benton Malice and his special type of international intolerance represent a greater menace to the world than all the racial hatred you can think of. Because his preachings will lead the world into war. Millions will be killed and maimed. Jews and Christians, colored and white. Hey, I guess you're right. There isn't much intolerance about an atomic bomb. It doesn't care who it kills. Right. Yet people like Benton Malice are respected and looked up to by the very people who, in the long run, men like Malice are trying to kill. It beats me. Yeah, but you don't think that he's really behind his train-raking business, do you? Think of the risks he take care of being discovered. I know, and yet we can't overlook him. I'll be interested to hear how he reacts to the proposal that Johnson Barr is going to make to him. 
In fact, I think I'll pull up beside the entrance to the road leading to Malice House and wait for Johnson Barr. That's a good idea. We may find out something that'll give us an important tip as to how he's thinking. Stephen, is that you? Yes, Uncle Benton. I wish I could teach you to treat this house with respect. You slam around the place as though you owned it. I'm sorry, sir. Try to remember next time. Yes, sir. Well, how are things in school today, my boy? Well, of course, everyone was talking about the wreck last night. Well, gosh, it was sure lucky that there was so little damage. Fortunate indeed. Do they have any idea who's behind it all? Well, they think it's some local person, but I don't see how it could be. No? It just couldn't be any of the local people. They're all too nice. <laughs> I wish I could share your opinions of my neighbors. Uh, are the uh, good burgers of Northern Valley going to do anything to find out who the culprit is? Well, they sure are. I heard some of them say that it'd be a good idea to organize a citizens' committee to keep a watch on the tracks. I see. Did you hear who was to be on the committee? I heard several people say that they thought you ought to head it, Uncle Oh, <laughs> Well, you don't say. I... Oh, bother. Who's that coming up the drive? Looks like some sort of a common workman. You let him in. Tell him I'm busy. I've got no time for that, sir. Yes, sir. Hello. Uh, won't you come in? Thanks, honey. Is Mr. Malice at home? Uh, he's kind of busy. Who's calling? Johnson Barr. I'm the engineer of one of the trains that was wrecked last night. You are? Oh, gosh. Well, I see you're a railroad enthusiast yourself. That's quite a model system you got rigged up. Oh, that's Uncle Benton. He built it all. He did, huh? Well, if he's that much of a railroader at heart, I'm sure he'll take our offer. Uh, we want him to be head of our committee to see about stopping these wrecks. Is that what you're here for? Yep. Gee, that sounds important. Maybe I better get him. Oh, well, no, hurry. Hey, mind if I look at this model railroad? Well, not at all, but it's in kind of a mess. So I see. Looks like your uncle hasn't been having much more luck than we have down in the valley. In fact, uh, yeah, this setup sort of looks like the layout down in the Northern Valley. I think that's what it's supposed to represent. Yep, same block signals, same switches. Sure is complete. You work the signals and the switches from over here, you see? Yeah, it's mighty clever. Yes, sir, mighty clever. Except one of your switches is stuck. Now, let's see. Looks like the one that'd be just above Smoky Blaps. Huh. I guess that's why Uncle Benton's train got messed up. It must be. Because he's got an all-clear signal right through this open switch. Uncle Benton's always having wrecks. Mm. That's why I don't like to watch him play with these little cars. He is, huh? Uh, let me uh, let me uh, take a look at uh, those two trains. Oh, sure. Huh? Yep. Hudson-type locomotive, same number of cars. And the train heading north is made up of a string of empty flat cars. You know, I'm beginning to get an idea. What is it, Mr. Boy? I'm not sure yet, but I'm thinking about something a, a fellow said to me a little while ago. Something about judging a book by its cover. In a moment, we'll return to Dick Tracy. But first... You've probably heard us speak many times about our Sunday evening hour show, which features the Detroit Symphony and great hour-long concerts each week over most of these ABC stations. But chances are you know very little about the conductor who directs this fine symphony orchestra. 
Well, his name is Carl Kruger, Dr. Carl Kruger. He's a man who might have been an economist, a missionary, or a lawyer. Instead, the imprint made upon him as a boy by music settled his career permanently. As American as the soil of Atchison, Kansas, where he was born, Carl Kruger made Europe appreciate what America can produce. Just as Edward McDowell made the elder countries aware of what the new land can do in the matter of musical composition, so Carl Kruger demonstrated that a native-born American conductor is qualified to direct the best of Europe's orchestras. At one time in his career, he was assistant conductor at the Vienna State Opera. Mr. Kruger has also conducted the Seattle Symphony, the Kansas City Philharmonic. He is also greatly responsible for popularizing music from the standpoint of community participation, popular prices. Don't miss hearing the Detroit Symphony on the Sunday evening hour over most ABC stations. And now back to Dick Tracy. Did you hear what he said, Carly? I did indeed, sir. Give him one of our special calling cards quickly. He mustn't get back to town alive. And just what is this special calling card? Better be sure to tune in Monday for the adventures of Dick Tracy. Heard overseas through the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is George Gunn speaking. If you Tracy fans go for real He-Man stories of adventure, then the show for you is Saturday night's Challenge of the Yukon. It takes you back to the days of the 90s when gold was discovered in the great Northwest. You'll hear of adventurers who bucked the vast Alaskan wilderness to find their prize while other men waited and killed to gain their fortunes. You'll thrill to Royal Mounted Police, Sergeant Preston's battle against odds in his one-man fight for decency, with only King, his Eskimo lead dog, to help him. So don't miss Challenge of the Yukon, broadcast tomorrow night over most of these same ABC stations. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.